We don't do this a lot. Preach together. <clears throat> we should have more because she's a really good speaker. But anyway, uh, you know what? It's a little intimidating actually to be talking about parenting today for several reasons. Uh, one, because uh, there's a lot of people in the room who know. Uh, we've been around you and you know that we're not perfect. And uh, it's even more inti- intimidating when one of your grown children is in the room. And, uh, he doesn't he... want to sit with you during service. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, who also knows that we're not perfect and he can give illustrations after the service. Not during, please, <laughs> Seth, just... Now, there's, there's, uh, there are three other factors that make this a little bit challenging today. And uh, some of you in this room have not had children yet. And um, you may be wondering, how in the world can this message have anything to do with my life? And, um, and so what I would challenge you to do is to think about the reality that um, maybe this goes down. Uh, there we go. There's uh, the reality that you may have children one day. And uh, so there, this can be kind of preemptive in a way. And uh, I'm also aware that there are people in the room who've had children and they are raised, uh, they're, they're out, and you may be thinking as we're talking, um, you know, you're feeling all kinds of things flood into your minds because all of us know that we're not perfect. And I just want you to know today is a no guilt fly zone, okay? Uh, we're not here to do that in any way. And then we're also aware there are people in the room who would love to have children who've been attempting to have children and you, the Lord hasn't blessed you yet with children. And uh, we want you to know that we're here to just encourage you and trust, to continue trusting the Lord. And this message is actually for all of us. But um, for a church that has uh, had to expand uh, to ha- include another room because there are so many babies, this is a, it's an apropos time to talk about parenting. So this message actually is for everyone, uh, but there will be specific application for people with very small children uh, and elementary age particularly. So Amy and I agreed to do this, um, and we're acknowledging that, that uh, we didn't do everything right, um, although we do have two kids that are serving Jesus as adults, and we think that that's awesome, and we're thankful for that. Uh, Amy and I both grew up in Christian homes. Um, and uh, our parents were far from perfect, um, and uh, the experiences that we had with them uh, helped us grow in our walk with Jesus. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight says that we know in all things God works together for the good to those who love him. Uh, we do love the Lord, and uh, we do want to honor our parents today uh, because uh, they gave us their best. And, um, you know, the older I get, the more I value of them and I have a whole lot more grace uh, for the areas where I thought at one point, oh my goodness, uh, how could you have you know done this or that? And uh, it's a little different now on this side of adulthood and parenting. So just saying all of these caveats as we begin, mm-hmm. uh, but we do love the Lord, and uh, through Him we can do all things. Whether or not you're a parent, um, there's some principles. There's timeless principles that uh, talk about that the Bible talks about in parenting, about parenting and the impact that you can have on, on, um, on people's lives around you, including your children. And if I could promise you by the end of this message that there is uh, 
There are principles that you can put in place that will uh, allow you to have high impact on your kids, kind of like the secret sauce of parenting. How many of you would say, you know what, that's, that would be worth it, whether I have uh, kids or not. How many of you would say, if I could know that for sure by the end of this message, I could know how to be an effective parent. Uh, how many of you would say, yeah, that's a, that's a good day. I'm glad to see a few hands raised because uh, that means it's not going to just be us commiserating a little bit. The timeless principles of high-impact parenting are found actually in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. And uh, that's where we're going to start this morning. And uh, the, first, the first passage is really 6-4 says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now I want you to hear this principle because it's hard for us kind of to hear what they were saying. The word uh, hear in Hebrew is actually the word for listen, be attentive, and to obey, all in one word. It's a real powerful word, and it's a command here. So it's hear and obey the Lord, and then it says he is one. Now, when this was given to the Israelites, it wasn't that they didn't love God and want God in their lives, but there were a lot of things that they wanted in addition to God. And in their times, there were other gods that they would serve. And, and for us today, there's probably not many of us in the room that have, you know, little figures that we, you know, put on a shelf. There may be a few of you who grew up in families like that, but we don't have multiple gods on the shelf that we're worshiping. However, what I do want to do is help you think today and challenge you that there may be gods in your life besides the Lord. And the bottom line, if you're going to be a great parent, is that there can't be any, anything else that has top priority in your life. Jesus said that you can't, he says, if, if anyone does not hate your father and mother and your children uh, you cannot serve me. Now, he was using hyperbole there to make a point that you need to hear this morning. If you're going to have a high impact on your kids' lives, it starts with having such a deep reverence and servitude to God that there's nothing else that's even close uh, to serving the Lord. He has to be number one. He has to be your, your, your priority, and it has to only be the Lord. It starts with you serving God the Lord. You cannot serve God and any other thing. It's not like you can do, if you're going to be a great parent, you can't say, well, I'm going to serve the Lord, but I'm also going to do these things. I'm going to have one foot kind of in the world, and I'm going to kind of serve this thing over here, and I'm going to serve the world, serve the Lord. You can't do it. You cannot be a great parent if he is not your number one priority. Love God only. And I say, how does this work out in practice? And I think it's daily asking, who am I worshiping? Um, And almost envisioning that throne and saying, who's on the throne? The default answer is, of course, God's on the throne. But if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, I know that sometimes I crawl up there. And it's my ambitions and concern of finances and things and job status and personal fulfillment can all get in that way. Um, As Joel mentioned, I teach sixth grade, and I asked the kids a few weeks ago, have you ever prayed, um, my kingdom come instead of thy kingdom come? They said, oh, no, Dr. M, we say Lord's Prayer every Friday in chapel. You know, we got it right. But just stop and ask, do I actually sometimes put the wrong thing on the throne, And whether it's ourselves or possibly even our children? 
um, loving God. So we're here to love and serve him and help others do the same. Now, those others in your life can change with seasons and who you're influencing to love God only. Um, and so but if you're parenting, then obviously, you know, parents are to influence your children to love God only as well. And what does that look like? Some real practical things? Attending church regularly and bringing your children there. If we miss... There might not be an intentional message that we're trying to communicate, but it might be saying, well, you know, we were so busy that, you know, today we're tired, we're going to rest, or some other events are more important. And I know that it's not intentional that you're trying to communicate that God is not number one, but it's a subtle message that perhaps the kids are catching. So model, God is number one by your commitment to attend church. Model reading your Bible and praying. Do your children know that you read the Bible and pray? Are you reading the Bible and praying with them? Seems pretty simple and basic, but we're making time for that and communicating that message to our children. Model memorizing scripture and not just something they do down in children's church, but are you actually hiding God's word in your heart? Because it's actually in that process. I believe that when we're memorizing, you know, it's like, what does that say again? Let me get that down. And in that process of memorizing that those nuggets of truth just really sink in and really have a change in our hearts. Model giving tithes and offerings. Um, are you helping your kids to do that as well? Um, also, uh, another challenge as a parent is to help your kids pray big. Now, teaching elementary school, Christian environment, it's very common for the kids to pray, you know, help my boo-boo and my little cat foo-foo, help us all have a good lunch and no one gets heard at recess. It's kind of like, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, only it's a Christian school kid's prayer. That's great. But I tell the, the sixth graders, let's get, let's pray big. Those things are very important. God cares about the little things in our lives, but why does he want us to have a good lunch? Okay, so that we're healthy, so that we can grow up to be the men and women of God that he has intended for us to be. Why should we have a good recess? Because we're learning to be leaders, and sometimes two kids, one swing. We've got to figure out how we're going to have a win-win situation. Okay, lots of things, dynamics there. So we try to extend it beyond just those small things of looking down and looking up and connecting it with God. Um, as re parents, we repeatedly said this a number of times to our, to our kids. Why are we disciplining them, etc.? Because we want you to grow up to be the men and women of God that he's intended you to be. So projecting it to the bigger picture. And who better to teach your own children how to love God only than parents? That's what the um, Deuteronomy passage says, parents, impress them on your children. You're to instill these, this love for God. Some practical tips. Um, while your kids are young and at home, it may not be the best time to take that job that's extra stressful or requires longer hours or uh, travel times uh, because there is a limit to the time that the kids are home. I know sometimes it feels like it's going to last forever, but you also know that, hey, just last year they were third grade. Now they're fourth grade. And the conveyor belt of life moves on and seasons change. It's usually too late to invest in children when they are no longer children. It's a different influence then. So those windows of opportunity do close. So love God daily, praying thy kingdom come, not my kingdom. Follow God and encourage others to do the same. Second key principle comes from the next verse in verse 6-5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Um, love God passionately. 
Notice that three times in this verse it says all, all. He needs all of your, your being. The word uh, for love here is the word to cleave to, to, to run after, to continually be faithful toward. Uh, and there's a, there's a chosen one that receives your love. It's, it's, a, it's an active love that you have. It's not just a feeling of like, oh, I feel, you know, wonderful feelings when we sing the wonderful songs in the service. Love is an action word where you're saying, I am going to love God with all of my heart. The word for heart here is really, it's more than just your heart organ. It's your inner self, your seat of your feelings. It's the, impul- the impulses of your life uh, that, you know, the decisions that you make all kind of fit in this word heart, the idea of the heart. It's kind of a picture of a, it's more than just your, your um, you know, your, 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 your feelings. Uh, and, and then the word soul here for the Hebrew mind is really your personality, your individuality, what makes you uniquely you. And the word for strength is really the word power and your, or your might. And what it's talking about here is what you for sure do with your body. So loving God with your body, taking care of what God has given to you with your body, but it's also what happens because of what you do with your body. So like when you work, you're, when you love God with your, with your strength, in Hebrew the word ma'od, what it means is that you're going to, he's also, it's going to impact your finances as well. So when you're doing this full tilt for God, your kids can actually see it. And um, they're going to see whether you are full tilt towards God or whether it's just kind of there. And so love God with everything. Okay, so when I was thinking about these terms, your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength, I kind of was thinking like those first three feel like they're eternal. They're things I'm going to take with me to the next life, to heaven, right? My heart, my soul, my mind. And my strength feels like it's more connected to the earth and, and you know, like earth, my, my strength, my energy and, and my time and those earthly resources. And I, and I was pondering this, and I thought, well, actually, you know, like, this whole idea of our time and energy seems to undergird my heart and soul and mind. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right, Matthew 6, It's that package deal that where I put my time and energy, my heart is going to go as well, right? So where am I going to invest on my earthly resources of time and energy and money? My heart's going to follow. So if we're praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, what does that mean as a follow-up for where I'm going to put my heart, soul, mind, strength, time, energy? And I think it's do and be what God has designed you to do and be and help others to do that as well. If you are a parent, then you are called to do and be a parent as a way of loving God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so, as Jesus said, what you do to the least of these, and those little ones are the least of these, and so we are investing in them. And so your heart and soul, you're thinking of your emotional connection, you're bonding with those kids. So even while they're little, you're holding them, not much is happening, but you are bonding, right? And so you're, you, you're getting an emotional attachment to them. And then you're having tickle times, and you're laughing together, and there's some emotional bonding going there. And so you're really trying to connect emotionally with your children. When they're sad, you're trying to hear their heart. What is it that makes them sad all the way through? You're listening to that. 
You're connecting with them mentally. You're trying to understand, what are they thinking about right now? Oh, it's a mystery. You know, the enigma of the two-year-old have no idea what they're doing, why they're saying. But you listen, you go, oh, they just put the sentence backwards, but I know what they mean, right? And when they do this action, this is what they're imitating. And so you start to understand in the mind of your kids. And as they mature, those conversations deepen, and, but you're still on that same path of investing in your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength in terms of your time and your money and your energy all goes into your kids. You know that, right? So you've probably heard that saying that we all have three resources of time, energy, and money, and they're all throughout different stages of life. We have two of those three, and that third one's always elusive, right? So little kids have the time and energy, and they got to figure out how to translate that into money by maybe doing some chores. Seth can tell you all about that. <laughs> or on the other end of life, the mountaintoppers who have the time and the money but no energy. So we're always seeking for that third one and maybe more, but I would guess that as young parents, if you're not missing all three, you're at least missing the money piece of it. But, you know, I think that's actually a wonderful blessing because if we have a lot of money, there's also this, some responsibility that goes along with that of high, spending time how am I going to spend this money? And sometimes if we're out shopping and spending money, we're missing that time that we are spending money and not spending it with our kids. So living simply, there are lots of things that we can do that don't cost much, if anything. And you probably have your own list, but life for us was full of bike rides and board games, tossing the ball and talking, reading books, and then going back to the library to get more books, and doing crafts and projects, baking, walking to the playgrounds and splashing in plastic swimming pools and squirt gun fights and hide and seek and repeat and on and on. Lots of good memories with that. What are we doing? We are investing heart, soul, mind, strength into the kids. That bond is there and we're loving. Um, I read recently about a mom who was a high figure salary income income maker and she was raising her own five-year-old son and he asked her mommy who do you think I would rather have die you or Sparky and I'm not going to finish the story because it's painful the answer ouch right oh you don't want to hear that but who is investing the time who is who's the kid spending time with Sparky who's the emotional attachment going to Sparky let that not be said of us now one solution is to do what I do just don't get a dog <laughs> Can't do any comparison. <laughs> so, okay, but our point is love God passionately with your heart, soul, mind, strength. Invest your time and energy doing what he has called you to do. It's a parent for that time. And be, and help your children and others to do the same. So love God passionately. The third principle in Deuteronomy 6.6, 6, next, next verse, treasure God's word respectfully. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. To be upon your hearts. The word of God is your source for parenting. Um, bottom line is don't take offense, but you're not good enough. You don't know enough. You're not smart enough. And no matter how much you think you know, you don't have enough to raise your kids uh, to serve God. You cannot make a great impact on their lives without the Word of God. And this passage talks about these commands that you are going to serve the Lord with wholeheartedly. Uh, only you're going to uh, 
follow the Lord and, and, and worship him passionately and then treasure his word. This, there's a picture. It's kind of like uh, stuff that you really are passionate about, that you are respectful of, you, you hold it close to your heart. And this is the picture, that God's word would be so important to you that you would hold it near to your heart and that you would say, this is something that I really value a lot. And um, it, it's, that's what it's talking about. And it's so close to your heart that as you're doing life, your kids actually will see how much you value uh, the word of God. They're going to see by what you do with it. Do you honor the Word of God with your life? Uh, when you learn something, you share it. Uh, Amy and I uh, have done a lot of things over the years to, to uh, share with each other. Right now, we're in this really fun routine. Every morning, you know, we get up, spend time with the Lord, do a few things. And then we, uh, we have breakfast together. But at, at breakfast time, we actually share what, what stood out to us in our time with the Lord. And then we always ask this question before we pray, what do you need from Jesus today? And then we pray together. And it's not like anything like rocket science takes place, but sometimes there are little nudges that come different directions. And it always comes out of the Word of God and our response to what we're reading and wanting to obey. We do not have the wisdom that we need to be great parents unless we value and truly treasure the Word of God and treat it with uh, respect. Uh, when you respect something, you honor it, um, and, um, and you make it accessible to people around you. I know for our kids, um, we heard about this from a family member, and then we decided to, to pass it on to our kids. And some people would totally disagree with what I'm about to tell you. But um, we wanted our kids to read the Bible for themselves. And so we set up a time every day when they needed to be doing that, and like it or don't like it, whatever, we paid our kids to read the Bible. I know it sounds terrible, but we paid them. In fact, I said, every book of the Bible that you read uh, will give you a dollar. And, we, uh, and so, you know, Obadiah is really good because it's one page, you know. Uh, you know, uh, Isaiah, well, stick with it. You learn, uh, you know, how to hang with it over the long time. And, uh, but at the end of that, if we could not every time but a lot of times we just say hey tell us one thing that kind of stood out to you and many times they'd have something and you'd be like that's really good so we actually paid and then I said when you finish uh, I'll finish that up to a hundred dollars so that when you're done reading the entire bible we'll give you thirty five dollars at that last book and um, that'll be great and so but but we did that because we really believe that the word of God could have an impact on their lives and we wanted them to read it for themselves and um, the next part, uh, the next characteristic is uh, Deuteronomy 6-7 six, seven, uh, six, says, uh, impress them on your children. Uh, and this is a really powerful word. I just discovered it this week. I wish I'd have looked at this sooner in Hebrew. But basically, the word impress is, is actually the word, it, it says repeat or say it again and again. But it's also the word for, um, uh, uh, it's the word for sharpening like, a, like a, a spear or a sword or something like you do with a knife. And it takes, a, it's like a lot of, uh, a lot of just uh, continual sharpening. If you've ever sharpened a knife, you know what I'm talking about. It takes a lot of this to get it there. And uh, the word is actually an intensive verb as well, which means it's not going to be something you do just once. It's going to be over and over and over and a little bit at a time, long haul. So when it's saying impress them on your children, so it starts with you 
serving the Lord wholeheartedly, you reading his word, you taking action on that and, 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 and valuing the word of God. But then it's saying, you know, all right, now, now impress these on your kids. Talk about them. You, 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 and, the, and the idea here is the consistency uh, over the long haul. You know, there are, there's this uh, insidious lie in our culture right now that, uh, and I've heard it from a lot of people, including Christians. And so I just kind of want to, if I can, pull out the, the nuclear weapon to this lie and just drop the bomb. But the lie is this, that uh, you should let your kids find their own way. Uh, and the reason that is such a ludicrous lie is because the evil one would love to fill your kids' minds with all kinds of things that are unbiblical. And he can't do that if, if you do the work. If you, he has to get you out of the way of impressing on your children the things of God in order for, for there to be a vacuum where kids will receive what it is and, um, that uh, is being poured into their minds. So we fill their minds with your values. Um, there are lots of anti-God uh, philosophies. Uh, there are practices that are uh, against the Lord. And the evil one wants to kill, steal, and destroy. And your kid is one of the, uh, is one of the desires of his heart to, to destroy. But you're responsible for instructing your children. Some people will say, well, that's why I bring them to church. Well, guess what? They get like one hour when they're here and they get a lot more hours with you at home. There's no way that a Sunday school or like a, an experience when you come together is going to have the impact. Yes, it's the Word of God is powerful. Hopefully they have a great time. But the Bible doesn't say bring them to the church and let the church do it. The Scripture says you, as the parents, impress them on your kids. And it doesn't say just let mom do it. The Bible says that you do this. And it's talking to the people of God. And I just want to challenge some of you men. Some of you are letting your wives uh, train your kids spiritually. And I, what I want you to do is to tell you today, step up to the plate and do your work. Because your kids need to hear from you. They need to see it in you and they need to hear it from your mouth. And I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, well, I'm just not the verbal kind. I don't really talk about my faith anyway. And I get that if you're a quiet kind of person. But here, I'm going to challenge you again. If they're going to hear from anybody, they need to hear from you. If you don't talk to anybody else on the planet, your kids need to hear about the things of God from you. And not just men, but women as well. Impress them on your kids. It's talking over and over and over again. Now, I understand some people are like, I don't want to hear it all the time. You know, my kid will turn them off. Okay, then, then be cool about it. Okay, don't, don't be weird about it. Bring it into regular life. Uh, you know, but each little pass... There are many passes that need to happen for you to impress them on your children. So it's time. Uh, uh, scripture memory, Amy mentioned, was a part of this. But we, um, we heard from somebody somewhere that when you're between the ages of like four and six or something like that, somewhere in that range, you can memorize large amounts of material faster than anybody else. So we're like, okay, we have a season where what we're going to do with our kids we're going to see how much they can memorize of God's word in those, those years. And so every day before I would leave, uh, uh, we would all gather by the door. And, um, and we, uh, Amy had memorized a whole bunch of scripture, me not so much. But 
Um, so I had done some, but nothing like she had been doing. And so she would, um, we, would, we would take a passage of Scripture, like we did Psalm 1, uh, or we did uh, the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, or Psalm 23, or one of those, and we would say it together one time, and we would all try to get it. And we had this thing. We would repeat it until everybody could get it perfectly. And when we all got it perfectly, then we'd go out for ice cream or something like that. So we were all celebrating with each other. Well, the kids would learn it way faster uh, than me. And I, they would be like, come on, Dad, you know what you like, you know. Uh, and they would get it in just a few days because their brains are like massive um, you know, uh, computers that can receive stuff. And, and you can shape your kids simply by these, these simple things. And then we would pray together uh, about that. But you can see that when you're impressing them on your, in your children. It's just a little bit at a time, a day at a time. And uh, even to this day, uh, our kids can remember m- most of those chapters. Uh, they, they mumble a little bit occasionally, and, uh, but they still have them in them. The fifth is talk about them frequently, which is kind of what I was already saying. But Deuteronomy 6, 7 says this. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Uh, mentioned this already, but you need to talk with your kids regardless of your personality. You need to talk to them a lot. Uh, they need to hear from you uh, uh, the normal goings uh, in their normal goings on in life. Uh, and there's a clear assumption by this passage, and that, that is that you're going to spend a lot of time with your kids. Uh, frequency does matter. And I know that some people are saying, well, we're going to go for the quality time thing. Well, how do you decide when a quality moment is going to take place? I mean, really. You know, you're saying, well, we're going to have some quality time because just, we just can't this season. Well, how about, um, you know, uh, clear the calendar and, um, and, uh, and spend time with your kids. What else could really be more important in your life than spending uh, those precious uh, years with your kids? This, uh, in Hebrew, the, the way it, it lays this out, it says, sit at them, uh, uh, talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and get up. And it sounds like they're, they're just talking about these transition times, but there's this, there's this uh, uh, thing called a merismus or merism, which means that when, it, when in Hebrew, when they want to say all, you can just say all, or you can say, you can say all in a way of saying uh, opposites. Uh, so you can so- show totality. So like when you lie down and when you get up, doesn't mean just at those times. What it means is, yes, when you lie down and yes, when you get up. But it actually means everything in between too. So, it, so what it's talking about is how important it is to spend lots and lots of time with your kids. Now, we um, know that uh, there's a lot of challenges that people are going to face. So I, what I'm about to say is, is still a no guilt fly zone, okay? But I want to challenge you in this room to think about something, particularly those of you who are thinking that you want to have a double income and uh, you, you're saying how, much, how important it is for you to have a lot of money together. And uh, we understand that there are times when you simply can't make it together uh, without work, both of you working. But you know what? Um, if, if you can survive uh, we want to challenge you to consider doing as little as you possibly can during those formative years so that at least one of you can spend a ton of time with your kids. Because the reality is, uh, somebody is going to shape your kid's life. Bottom line is, the Bible says it's supposed to be your responsibility, not somebody else's. Now, if you can't do this, don't hear guilt here. But what I do want to challenge you with is there's probably no job on the planet that's going to be that important to you about 20 years from now. 
There's no thing that you were able to get financially that is going to be that valuable to you 20 years from once the time your kids uh, are, are grown. I'm just telling you, even when we were uh, doing this and, and spending tons of time with our kids, there's a, now it's kind of like, well, maybe we could have done more. And, you know, maybe not you. But there could have been for me. But what we do say is that we, d- we don't regret we don't regret one uh, ounce of time that, that Amy ended up staying home with our kids. She, had, she already had a career. She already had education. And there was a lot of pressure in our culture because there's, a lot, there's this thing about, um, especially there's a lot of pressure with women that's saying that, you know, you're not really actualized unless you're out in the workforce. And we would say to you, there is another thought there. There is a place where you can have an impact. Don't let the world write your ticket. Realize that there is important uh, times uh, for your kids, and we want to challenge you uh, to consider that as you're moving ahead and making your decisions. I know that for me, it was huge. In fact, when we were even dating, this is crazy, but one of, one of my criteria, and you're going to think this is nuts, but one of my criteria when I was dating was I, I wanted to find somebody who would invest in my kids' lives when they were little. I didn't want somebody who was gonna be a career woman, but I wanted somebody who was sharp enough to be a career woman to do that. Now, Amy worked on both sides of when our kids were little, but when they were really little, uh, the Lord allowed her to be able to stay home. And so what I would do when I was dating, I'd say, hey, what do you think about your career and what are you gonna do with that? And I would say it really, you know, like I wanted them to have a career and then, and then I would wait and see what they would say. And, uh, a whole bunch of them said, well, I want to have a career and I'm, you know, whatever. And, and I would say, okay, great, you know, and that would be it. Because what was important to me and actually to Amy as well is that we would do this together. So we planned, even when we were, we were dating, that, you know, and even when we got married early, that, if, that when we had kids, that we were going to do our best to allow her to be home for as much as time as possible. And so we're grateful for that without guilt for any of you. And we just want to say that we don't regret a single decision we made about that at that time. Great. Yes, not at all. So loving God's word, those truths. Talk about them regularly and repeatedly. And you say, I think we already said this yesterday. Okay, same talk, you know, same song, second verse. That was a lot of times. But, um, yeah, as we're, we're sharing here, our seasons change. And who we're going to influence changes. Sometimes it's our children and then it changes. And we say our earthly resources change. We know we have time, energy, money, and those all alter as life goes on. But these truths from God's word are timeless. We glean this wisdom and discernment from loving God and from loving God passionately. And as parents and spiritual leaders, we communicate those truth nuggets to our children and to others as well. We talk about them as you sit at home and as you walk along the road. You're helping them to get a biblical perspective on life. And you say, isn't that cool how God made our bodies so they fix themselves? Remember you had that little, now you have a little scab there. You know, isn't that cool? Or, you know, I'm so grateful that God has given us this and this and this and this. So you kind of eat, keep impressing it on your children. As they get older, it's like, it is so amazing. God made these cells. And you look at those little organelles, pieces of them, and there's mitochondria and Golgi bodies and endoplasmic reticula. That's awesome. You know, go study. I don't get it. <laughs> right? You know, it's amazing. God is, God is amazing. So we keep bringing that in there. And as they get older, you say, well, how is this making us more like Jesus? Okay. How can this activity be used in a God-honoring way? So keep instilling them all along. Um, so our purpose in life is to love God 
and to love him passionately in your current season of life, thinking, who am I influencing to love God only? And how am I using my strengths and heart and soul and mind and time and energy to help others love God? Luke 10, 27, the complimentary verse to the Deuteronomy passage says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbors as yourself. So the call is God's, but the privilege to respond, to love God, love our children, love others is ours. The last thing is uh, influence them always. Influence them always. Deuteronomy 6, 8 through 9 says this, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. How about that? Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You know, we truly are, your kids are sort of like computers in the sense that what goes in comes out. Um, and uh, they will become what you allow them to see, uh, better or worse. Uh, you are responsible for what they see. And um, I would just challenge you to consider that every, at every turn, what are you allowing to come into the life and the eye gate of your children. Uh, you know, what they see on TV, the video games that they play, the computer pictures that they see, art, even the mall, uh, clothing, all that stuff. What you keep in front of your eyes matters. And, uh, you know, there's a plethora of messages that the world wants to send to your kids. And you are the, you are the decider when they're little, and then there are lots of times where you not, you're not going to be the decider as they move ahead in their life, but shape them as best you're able. You know, we had rules when our kids were little. We didn't want to keep them completely isolated, but we didn't want just to open the floodgates to have everything in. And, you know, there's a cesspool of information out there that somebody wants to flow into your kids' lives. And so we limited uh, time on computer games. You know, we would say, okay, you have this amount of time and we're going to work together on what, what that, those games are going to be. And we played them with them. I mean, we've, we've had, I've lost so many games of Madden, I can't even tell you. Seth got good at it quickly and then he just started destroying me and it, it was no fun anymore and I would beg for mercy. Um, but he used to just kill me because his brain was hardwired to, to win and it was awful. And uh, I'm not good at losing. But we played a lot of games together. And, and that, I'm not saying that technology is bad. What I am saying to you, though, is that you're responsible. And you need to take responsibility for what you put in and you allow to go into your kids' lives. And here's the thing. Um, if, you, if, you do, if you make a good decision with this and you partner together and if you talk about it, then it's not like you have to be geeky or weird that you're not, but they will understand why you do certain things and don't do others. And you're actually training them to be uh, more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you don't know, do you? Because you're looking at me like you don't know. It, it be discerning and make good decisions. You're teaching them how to make decisions by helping them in these categories. And then there's the secondary influences that you can have on your kids, like like, you know, fun and, and, um, and camps and retreats and groups or, you know, my parents, when I was growing up, got me involved in a, a fellowship of Christian athletes and things like that that just are secondary things that you can see. But bottom line is you're responsible for what your kids see. And it's not just what you put on the fridge. It's what you let them see all throughout the day. So I guess our point is not that we did all this exceptionally well. 
today. We did our best to live this out. And uh, we did it all the way through. And we were certainly imperfect and we certainly didn't always do this well. Uh, But the Word of God is always true. And if you will uh, attempt and with the Lord's help uh, live this out, I guarantee you the impact that God can have on your kid's life through you um, will be uh, powerful. You don't control what your children are going to do with what you teach them. You, they get to make their own choices in life. They get to, you know, as the older they get, the, the more you release them to the decisions that they're going to make, and then they're responsible. The way uh, my dad described it to me was I like to, to uh, release just a little bit at a time. So when they're little, you know, you, ne- you, ne- you make most of the decisions. You know, they get to pick, and you let them pick as much as they want, you know, as much as you can. But then it's just a little bit at a time, releasing, releasing, training, releasing, training, releasing, training, so that when it's time for them to fly, or, you know, we thought of that, that at, at age 17 or 18, uh, it doesn't mean that all parenting is done, but we knew that it's mostly done. And, you know, you're there kind of as a backup. They can call on you. But the bottom line is at 18... Uh, they need to be able to fly and, and live life in every arena of their lives. And if, you, if you've prepared them, uh, it won't be a big transition uh, moving into college or wherever they do with their lives. So all of that to say, okay, so here we are. We've kind of taught. We've kind of shared a little bit of our lives. And really we're down to the action part of this message. Jesus said, those who come to me, hear my words and put them into practice. Uh, that you'll have a foundation when the storms of life come. And some of you are like, well, I don't have kids. Okay, I get that, but the, question, the first question would be that there's some of you in the room that as you're thinking about your life, you're like, you know what, Jesus hasn't really been everything to me, and whether I have kids or not, he's not my sole purpose in life, and you're sitting there going like, I guess I'm, I'm nuked as a parent, or maybe I have, uh, maybe, maybe you're even past parenting age, but you might be here and you're going like, you know what, as you talked about serving God only, I know that I'm not where I need to be with God. And so uh, what I'm going to challenge you to do is simply this. Uh, How about commit your life to God? You know, there's never been a better day than right now to start new. And and so I want to challenge you today. And if you're here and, uh, and you'd like to do that, some of you are like, well, I don't know what to do and I don't know what to say. What we're going to do in just a minute or two is we're going to all bow our heads and nobody's going to really be moving around. And then I'm going to invite everybody in the room to pray a prayer with me. And if, if, if you're at a place where you're making that decision, uh, then I would say, you know, the Bible talks about if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. And so it's just a starting point today to committing your life to the Lord. Or maybe some of you may have said, well, I did that in the past, but you know what, I know that I need to make a commitment today. And regardless of which, where you're at today, some people in the room are saying, you know what, I need, I need to make a commitment to Christ. And so um, we're going to pray that now. So if we could all bow our heads, nobody uh, looking around. Uh, and uh, I'd invite all of us in this room to pray out loud together. And um, those of you who are making a commitment to Christ today, uh, you do that as well. And um, you can pray now with me. Heavenly Father, everybody together out loud. Heavenly Father, 
I need you in my life. I want to serve you with everything that's in me. I ask you to forgive me for doing life my own way. As best I know how, and from this day forward, I want to live for you. Help me to follow you. And help me to influence others to follow you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If everybody could still keep your heads bowed and, and uh, if you made that decision uh, today, what I invite you to do is just um, look up at me and just kind of make, you know, raise your hand a little bit just so that I can see that you made the decision. And here's the, 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 the deal is this, that what we want to do is we want to give you um, a, a book that can help you take the next steps with the Lord. And so we don't want to embarrass you or we're not going to have you, you know, but I would love to talk to you if you have time afterwards. But I would, what I want to know is uh, if you made that decision today and you know it's a decision, just raise your hand, look up at me now and say, you know what, that's me. I know it is. I'm ready to take a step with the Lord. So I'll just look out now. And if you've made that, just look up at me and kind of make just eye, eye contact, maybe raise your hand so I can see you. Oh, wait just a moment. If I'm missing you, please uh, just. Yeah. Heavenly Father, I thank you for uh, every person that's here that's making a decision, whether it's publicly or not. And I ask, Lord, that you would help each one of us, Lord, to follow you wholeheartedly with everything in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The second decision that you can make today is ask yourself a question. And I know that as we're trying to uh, share today that some of you, uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking a different message to you or maybe something about the message that stands out to you. So the second thing is really a question. And that's what stood out to you. Um, I know that there may be something in your life that, um, that you know um, that the Lord is saying. And the third thing is really this. What action will you take? Not what do you want to take, but what action will you actually take?